0: Thank you, Roberta and team. And that was gorgeous worship. Everybody, please be seated. And would you please join me now in prayer? Dear God, you alone are sovereign. Your plans are set. They will always come to pass. What you decide is done and nothing surprises you. Let us place our hope in that truth. With everything going on in our world today, we can turn to you and know that in your sovereignty, all things will be worked out according to your will. Help us to honor you and to submit to you in our daily lives. Amen. Good morning, and thank you to Christine and friends and dads and uh, that was great. So, um, is it possible today? to hear God's voice like Samuel did back then? Is it possible? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, my sheep, hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So is it possible today to hear his voice, the good shepherd's voice? Let's pray. Well, living God, we uh, come to you this morning As we open your word, we ask that you and your grace and mercy would make your word come alive in our lives like never before. Lead and guide us now as the good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we come back to our studies in uh, John this morning, and we are in John 10, the good shepherd discourse. As we said last time, that would have been two weeks ago, we're in the Feast of Dedication. That's Hanukkah, which has the shepherd, shepherd, sheep theme. (laughs) That's a new word, shepherd. Shepherd, sheep theme running throughout the liturgy. And it's during this feast that Jesus says, he is the good and noble shepherd. Now, if you remember from two weeks ago, we explored the first 21 verses of this chapter. We explored Jesus as the gate, as the good and noble shepherd, and as the promiser and provider of an abundant life. As the gate, his sheep have safety and security. As the good and noble shepherd, he cares deeply for his sheep. So much so, he will lay his life down for his sheep. And as the promiser and provider of an abundant life, he leads his sheep from out in front, inviting his sheep to come and follow him to new and lush pastures." And I left you with three questions to consider. Who am I following? What voice or voices am I listening to? And where do I go? Where do I go for that abundant life? Do I go to him or not? Now, as we explore the rest of the chapter today, we will focus in on the voice of the good shepherd. And that is found, we're going to focus in on verses 25 to 30 today. They're bolded in the worship guide if you have that up. Now before and after these particular verses, there's another intense debate between the religious authorities and their followers and Jesus. It's so intense that these religious authorities and their followers pick up stones to stone Jesus. Now we're not going to read the the debate today because it rehashes much of what has been happening in the gospel really since chapter 5. The summary of their argument, of the religious authorities' argument, is found in verse 33. They accuse Jesus that you, being a man, make yourself God. Now in reality, they have it backwards. Jesus is God, the great I am, making himself man. And Jesus asserts that his miracles are the evidence. The greatest miracle of all is coming next week. We get to talk about Lazarus next week. And Jesus clinches his claim with this statement, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. The works that he is doing come from the Father. So we get this Trinitarian statement from Jesus, which he has been making throughout the gospel. So now I invite you into our specific verses today, verses 25 to 30. Let's read them. "'Jesus answered them, "'I told you, and you do not believe. "'The works that I do in my Father's name "'bear witness about me. "'But you do not believe "'because you are not among my sheep.'" Jesus is the good and noble shepherd. And the religious authorities are not his sheep. They do not hear his voice, they do not know him, and they do not follow him. But for those of us who are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture, there are several privileges here. The first two we briefly talked about two weeks ago. Verse 28, his sheep have eternal life. Jesus says the positive and the negative. His sheep will have eternal life and will never perish. See, life through Jesus is really what this Gospel is all about. Life is God's bounty. God created us so that we may have an abundant life and an abundant life forever. God created us for the the abundant life and we enter into that life by following the good shepherd now. Unfortunately, sometimes we think the abundant life comes from big houses or nice cars or higher education, or self-discipline, or many of these other idols that we create in our Western culture. But true life is found in Jesus and him alone. To be in Jesus is to be in life. To not be in Jesus is to be out of life. Because as he says later, he is the way, the truth, and the life. Secondly, verses 28 and 29, his sheep have safety and security. So this refers back to Jesus being the gate. There is assurance in being the sheep of his pasture. Jesus says that nothing and snatch his sheep out of either his hands or his father's hands. He and the father both have a steadfast and unshakable grip on their sheep. Isn't that good news? No big bad wolves will get in, <laughs> snatch his sheep away. Not even the baddest wolf of all, death. And we'll see that next Weak with Lazarus. Jesus is saying their grip is stronger than anything else in heaven or on earth. There is no greater assurance. Now, I think the Heidelberg Catechism from the 16th century captures this really well. Question one asks What is your only comfort in life and in death? Answer That I am not my own. But belong, body and soul, life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. And because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. This is the good news. Indeed our assurance, our assurances is not based on our weak and imperfect hold on him. Our assurance is rooted in God the Father and God the Son's firm grip on us. Now, as I said last time, it's important to note that Jesus is not saying that we will be saved from troubles or calamities or hardships. What Jesus is saying is that even in troubles and calamities and hardships, nothing will separate us from his grip. To which Dale Bruner responds, who would not want to live with a friend like this forever? And now we come to verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me, and I know them, and they follow me. His sheep hear his voice so they can know him And follow him. Now, this is the fifth time in this short chapter that Jesus refers to his sheep hearing his voice. Four times positively, and then one for the for the false shepherds hearing um, the sheep do not hear their voice. But five times he refers to his voice. It seems to me that Jesus really wants his sheep to prioritize hearing his voice, don't you think? Which is why I want to spend the rest of our time this morning focusing on this. But is it really possible today? Is it possible, like Samuel so many years ago, to hear God's voice? Now, for those first group of disciples, it was certainly possible. They literally heard his voice and literally followed him down the road. But what about today? Is it possible? Answer, yes. And we have probably heard his voice more than we know. It's just that we didn't recognize it or we refused to believe it. After all, the risen Jesus is present with us, isn't he? After his resurrection and before his ascension, he promised he would be with us to the very end of the age, Matthew 28. So although he is invisible to us, he is present with us. Everywhere we go, anytime, day or night, he's with us. And he knows us, doesn't he? He calls us into a genuine relationship with him. He calls us his disciples. Even more, he calls us his friends. Even more, he calls us his bride. So if he he is with us always and knows us as his bride, do you think he wouldn't speak to us? That would be like me not speaking to my wife, Suzanne. That would be a little bit odd, wouldn't it? No, he speaks. And he speaks as the good and noble shepherd leading us away from obstacles guiding us to green pastures, steering us back to him after we wander off, which sheep are known to do, and helping us as we navigate life's troubles. Now, as with any relationship, it takes time to hear his voice, recognize his voice, and understand his voice. I've been married for 23 years. As of last week... And I'm still trying to hear and understand my wife's voice. (laughs) So it takes time. And there is grace. (laughs) But the problem is not him speaking. The problem, as the psalmist pointed out years ago, is that his sheep don't listen. Psalm 81 Hear me, my people, and I will warn you if you would only listen to me. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. But my people would not listen to me. They would not submit to me. If my people would only listen to me, if they would only follow my ways. The problem is not him speaking. The problem is that the sheep... Don't listen. It's a bit like when I coach baseball and I tell the kids, listen to my voice. Don't listen to your parents' voices. <laughs> Don't listen to the other coach's voice. Don't listen to the other players' voices. Listen to my voice and follow what I say. Don't listen to anyone else. Especially your parents' voices. <laughs> in the midst of all the yelling and noise, listen for my voice. And you know what? After a few games, they finally attuned their ears to hear my voice. Jesus, the great coach, the good shepherd, says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So this statement raises two questions in my mind, maybe in your mind too. How does Jesus still speak to us today? Where should we go to hear his voice? What frequency should we turn the dial? (laughs) That's an old analogy now, isn't it? We don't really do that anymore. But all of you my age and older know that analogy. Where do we go to hear his voice today? And number two, how can we discern his voice? Amongst all the other noise in our lives, how do we discern his voice? So let's let's answer these two questions now. Starting with number one, how does a good shepherd speak to us today? Well, there are many different ways that he speaks to us. After all, he's the deeply personal shepherd so he needs to speak in many personal dialects (laughs) but today i want to mention seven seven different ways that he speaks to us even today number one is scripture this is the main way jesus speaks it's through his written voice the scriptures of the old and new testaments As the writer of Hebrews says, the Word of God is living and active, meaning that the Word continues to speak today and will continue to speak even if we've read it all before. No matter how many times we've read it, it continues to speak. The Good Shepherd, the living Word, meets us in the written Word Now, that doesn't mean that we can pick up a Bible, throw up a quick prayer, speak to me, Lord, open it just anywhere, and expect to hear his voice. No. The words of the Bible must be read and heard in context. And in context, the words written so long ago speak as though written today. The most reliable place to hear the voice of Jesus is Scripture, properly read, properly interpreted. So the question is are you soaking in Scripture? We'll come back to that in a moment. Number two, the preached word. The good shepherd chooses to speak through the exposition and proclamation of his written word. As Paul rhetorically asked in Romans, how can anyone hear without someone preaching to them? And this is one of the fundamental convictions of the Protestant Reformation. Preaching is an event in which the living word himself addresses a particular people at a particular time, in a particular place, for a particular purpose. Now this is not to say that the preacher is always speaking God's word, (laughs) and that every word the preacher speaks is God's word but it is to say that to the degree that the sermon is rooted in, flowing from and faithful to the scriptures, the living word speaks through the preaching moment. Number three, trusted friends. Yes, God has been known to speak through donkeys. (laughs) But most of the time it's through people and a lot of the time it's through trusted friends and counselors now, this is why it's so important to be in a small group. Not that God can't speak outside of small groups, but as we open our hearts to other believers, they are led to respond with the Spirit's prompting, asking the right question or giving the right suggestion at just the right moment. The word comes out of their mouth, but also from the mind of the Spirit. Now, many times, these trusted friends are not only the voice of Jesus, but they can help us discern the voice of Jesus. Our authentic faith community can be a powerful help in the discernment process. Number four, circumstances. The Good Shepherd speaks through circumstances. The problem, of course, is that circumstances change, but he often does warn us by putting obstacles in the way or draw us by opening doors that we could have never opened ourselves. Now, combined with this is how he speaks through the obstacles and doors. Many times he'll speak to us by bringing a peace or by bringing restlessness. As we stand before our circumstances navigating a decision, he works a deep sense of assurance that one of the ways is of him. He gives us a peace that passes all understanding, as Paul says. Or in an opposite way, he sometimes speaks by creating in us a restlessness. What the church has many times called a holy discontent. He creates in us a sense that something is off or something is missing or that there is more and we are restless. And I think we need to pay attention to prolonged restlessness in our, in our lives. Number five, books. The Good Shepherd speaks through books. This has become a, an important part of my life. He's spoken to me um, Many times through specific authors like Daryl Johnson, Tim Keller, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, C.S. Lewis, J.I. Packer, Bruce Heinmarsh, Gordon Smith, and many more. As I've said many times, a sermon isn't complete unless you have a C.S. Lewis quote in it. <laughs> Although I don't have one today. so <laughs> Number six, Dreams. Now, the Good Shepherd speaks through dreams. This is a little bit more of a dicey means because the source of dreams is complex. But, but he speaks through dreams as we see in Scripture, right? He spoke to Abraham and Sarah, to Joseph, the son of Dave, Jacob, to Peter and Paul. Um, we see this in the life of Joseph, his father. uh, God spoke uh, four times to him in dreams in the birth narrative. And today, we keep hearing stories of how Jesus is meeting our Muslim friends in dreams. So Jesus still speaks through dreams. And number seven, the Holy Spirit. The Good Shepherd speaks to us through the Holy Spirit who resides deep within us. Sometimes this can be tricky because there are other sources of inner voices. One of course is all the noise around us, which we internalize. Another is our fears. Another is our longings. The evil one also will sometimes imitate the voice of the Spirit. But deep within, the Good Shepherd is there, dwelling within us through His Spirit and speaking to us through His Spirit. So seven ways, in no particular order, of the many and many, many, many ways that the Good Shepherd still speaks today. So now we come to our second question. How do we discern His voice? How do we discern that it's the the Good Shepherd speaking to us amongst all the other noise in our lives? And of course, there are many ways to answer this question too. I'm going to give you four ways this morning. Number one is Scripture. The Good Shepherd's voice always speaks in agreement with Scripture. Scripture. Always. His voice will never go against Scripture. In fact, typically there'll be a greater regard for Scripture through the discernment process. He has revealed himself and his will for humanity in Scripture, and any new guidance will square with what he has already given us in Scripture. For example, His voice will never go against Jesus as the Son of God and Savior Savior of humanity. Another example might be his voice will never have us set aside his words in the Sermon on the Mount. Lord, should I bless those who persecute me? That's the Sermon on the Mount. You'll never hear no. Lord, should I love my enemies? You'll never hear no. No. Lord, should I ever condemn someone by standing in judgment over them? You'll never hear no. A modern day example might be the Barman Declaration, written during the rise of Nazism by the uh, confessing church in in, uh, Germany. It says this, if you find that we are speaking contrary to scripture, then do not listen to us. But if you find we are taking our stand on Scripture, then let no fear or temptation keep you from treading with us on the path of faith and obedience. So, are you soaking in Scripture? In order to know if anything is of the Good Shepherd, My mind and my heart must be saturated in the word. Saturated. You probably know that when FBI agents are trained to look for counterfeit money, they're not shown a counterfeit bill. Rather, they so master the real thing that when the counterfeit one passes by them, They instantly recognize something's wrong. If we soak our minds and hearts in the living word, we'll know when something's wrong. And we'll more easily be able to hear and discern the Good Shepherd's voice. Number two. The character of Jesus, the good shepherd's voice, always speaks in concert with his character, of course. His voice will never speak out of character, which means I need to especially immerse myself in the Gospels. I need to know the Gospels backwards and forwards to know the character of the good shepherd. Number three, the actions of Jesus. The good shepherd's voice always tells us to do the Jesus-like thing. He always calls us to do what he does. That's to follow him. And to summarize that, I know the good shepherd is speaking if what I hear heightens my love for God and my love for neighbor. If it heightens my love for God and love for neighbor. And number four, intimacy with Jesus. The good shepherd's voice will always draw us closer to him. It'll always draw us closer to Him. Even when He addresses particular issues in our lives, He does it in love. He does it in love and always for the greater good of drawing us closer. To him, We may not like his words. His words may be difficult to hear. They may make us uncomfortable, but they'll always draw us to him. The evil one's voice does just the opposite. The evil one's voice is full of accusation and condemnation. Not Jesus' voice. Jesus' voice will always invite us to come to him. So four ways for discerning his voice in our lives. As sheep following the good shepherd, we need to be intentionally wrestling with hearing and discerning his voice. And that's not to say it's easy. It is challenging. But it's to say that if we are the sheep following the good shepherd, we should get into the habit of hearing and discerning his voice. I've been asked many times how Suzanne and I made the switch from me being an engineer to being a pastor. (laughs) This was back in 2006. And uh, I always laugh. It was a massive challenge. It took us six months. Six months to discern his voice. We sought counsel from everyone we knew. We prayed a lot. We journaled a lot. I wasn't in scripture the way I should have been. As I look back now, uh, I still have my journal. It's called The Big Decision, (laughs) a file on my computer. But we kept wrestling. We kept asking questions. We kept seeking counsel from trusted friends. We kept working through the implications for the different people in our lives, specifically our children. I appreciated Eugene's prayer this morning for his children. For six months, we wrestled. And in the end, in the end, we were led to peace. And I couldn't explain it. It was a peace that passes all understanding. It didn't make sense to me, but we were at peace. And I remember thinking, and I have this in my (laughs) big decision file um, the timing just seemed to be so perfect. The door opened, and I didn't open it. It just opened, and we were at peace with it. So, how can we, his sheep, Get into the habit of intentionally listening and discerning the good shepherd's voice so that we can know him and follow him to the green pastures of abundant life. Perhaps we need to intentionally find some spots where we can be still and listen special listening places. God can speak anywhere, of course. But perhaps in our noisy culture, we need to find special times and special places where it's easier to hear and discern his voice. When we think about characters from Scripture, many had special listening places. For Jacob, it was Bethel. For Moses, it was a burning bush. For Samuel, it was the tabernacle at Shiloh. For Elijah, Mount Carmel. For Daniel, it was an upstairs window facing Jerusalem. For Jesus, it was probably the Aramos cave overlooking the Sea of Galilee. So where is it for you? Where do you go to be still and hear the shepherd's voice? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me to an abundant and eternal life and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Is there any better news for you today than those words? Amen. Now receive this benediction from Hebrews. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and hearing his voice. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace.